Rules-like games make for a quick pickup and tend to offer a lot of freedom for everyone at your table. Expanding your rule set to work in this way can help appeal to a much wider audience. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Ben Newbon about his game, Overgrown. In this game, you play as an animal where your limitations are only as wild as your imagination. We talk about the rule system, streaming, and making connections. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am very excited to be coming back with our first interview of the new year. Ben, thank you for joining me here on the show. Hey, Zach. I'm really glad to be here. And we're going to be talking about one of your games today, Overgrown, which it's... (laughs) I've never really seen anything quite like it. Actually, I think it's super cool. And I've seen a stream. I watched a stream that was a good time so i'm excited to to get to know a little bit more about this game and how it works and get people to kind of hear more about what it is yeah i i love overgrown it's been such a blast making it and playing it and developing it over the last i don't know when did i start i think it must have been last april maybe may um and yeah it's it was just a silly little side project. It was it was something for a game jam that someone had put on, and and I just thought, oh, I can chuck something together quickly in like a month, and did it and put it out, and it just took off. People just seemed to like it, and it's funny because I spent like in my previous game that I made, um, it was a sci-fi like near future cyberpunky yeah. kind of thing, and like I spent like a year and a half writing that. It was epic. It was a labor of love. And then this thing I chucked together in a month and it just completely <laughs> eclipsed that. So yeah, that's life. But um, <laughs> no, this uh, Overgrown has taken, uh, it, it's just taken off. Like um, people seem to respond really nicely to it. And I think just the, the idea of animals, there's not a lot of games out there that focus entirely on animals. And even though it's, yeah weird animals it's not normal animals this is animals mixed with other animals and people just seem to really like that concept Mm -hmm. before we get too much into what overgrown actually is though can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself ben oh sure yeah um so i'm ben i i've been in the ttrpg scene for only a few years really um yeah i made my first game maybe three years ago um and before that i i'd played like D&D and a couple of other games for a couple of years so probably only like five years I've even been playing these sorts of games let alone making them and uh, yeah my, my history is actually in video games I, I work for Unity um, as oh. a games analyst um, and so I've, I've got a degree in computer science I tried to make computer games I'm not very good at making computer games um, <laughs> but uh, I've got a a background in game design and um, analytics. I used to do well, very boring analytics for banks and financial institutions and stuff um, and transitioned into the games industry later in life. And yeah, uh, nowadays I, I work as a games consultant telling people how to improve their video games, but on the side. Um, fortunately, I, my job allows me to have enough time to play and make my own um, tabletop role-playing games which is a lot easier than making computer games. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It's a very different process. That's for sure. 
So you mentioned animals and weird animals specifically. For those who don't know what overgrown is, can you tell us what overgrown, well, well what it is? Um, overgrown in a nutshell. So the, the way I describe it in my like 140 character tweets that I put out all the time uh, is it's an all ages rules light nature punk um, tabletop role playing game about weird animal hybrids. Um, and what that boils down to is um, your characters um, are uh, yeah hybrids of animals. So you, you take like three or four different animals and you merge them together. So you can have like a a hippo with butterfly wings or a kangaroo with lobster claws um, and uh, whatever wild things your imagination can come up with um, which is is fantastic fun uh, and um, I my friend um, Dave Cook he's a comic book writer he came up with this term nature punk a little while back um, and I just loved it um, and <laughs> it's just uh, yeah the, the whole idea behind Ogrone was it's kind of nature gone wild nature's just like gone completely off the off the rails and so my original like view of what the game would be is like a a world without humans nature has just taken over and like forests and uh, rainforests and uh, woodlands and everything has just taken over and animals now rule the world and you play as these animals it's using a a rules light system that is kind of taken a bit from the the sci-fi game i made previously um Okay. So it's really simple. You just use a single D20 for all of your rolls. So, um, uh, yeah, if you want to climb a tree, you roll a D20 to see how well you do. And if you've got some animal features that apply, like, I don't know, maybe you've got squirrel claws or um, spider webs or something, those things can be applied to your roll to make your success better. Um, so that's really the basis of it all. Um, so that's the rules light aspect. And as I was developing it and getting it out to people, people were saying to me, anyone could play this game. Like, even kids could play this. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to have, like, bloodthirsty combat or anything. So it could be any age. Like, people have said, I'm going to try and run this with my four-year-old. I'm like, okay, uh, let me know how that goes. Because I've got a three-year-old and I'd love to play games with her sometime. But, uh, yeah, I'm yet to hear how it's gone with any of the children. But... I've, I've, uh, the, the stream that you said you watched, yeah, that's the, um, that's a, a family friendly stream, um, showing that the game, yeah, it can be played completely like non violently. It can be played, um, in, in a totally age appropriate manner. It seems that way too. It really boils down to these really light, fast rules that work really well for conveying a story. Hmm. You had mentioned that this actually came from a game gym, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my friend Dyer Rose, um, he's a basilisk online. He did a Welcome to the Apocalypse game jam. And so the, the, the actual start of all of this with me thinking about the world rather than the whole animals thing, I was thinking about a world without humans where nature had taken over. And that was, that was the, the, the kind of seed of the whole idea. I can't actually remember where the, the whole animals thing came from. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that really kind of took over is what the game's about. That's one of the things I found too. One of the big selling points that I've heard for Overgrown is actually how fast you can pump out a character and get playing. So mm-hmm. how does that really work out? Because I know that you mentioned adding bonuses to your, your roles when 
you're attempting something. So can you kind of walk me through how building your animal works in Overgrown? Sure. Um, and in fact, um, Dyer, who I mentioned, he um, he made this really cool character generator, basically, that uh, has a huge that. list of like hundreds of animals. And uh, you, you just click a button and it will chuck out like three or four animals that um, it suggested to combine. And you get some wild mixes in that. It's, it's um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really good fun. Sometimes I can just sit there for ages just clicking the button and seeing what crazy combinations it comes up with. Uh, but yeah, so um, you you have a core animal, which is like um, if you're a deer with um, uh, I don't know uh, uh, grasshopper legs or something like that, your main thing would be your deer. So that's your core animal, and you have plus okay. three for anything that you can say um, your core animal would apply to. So if your crab, your core, if your core animal is a crab, then you could have like snipping or you can have um chopping stuff um you could have your crab shell be a protective thing basically anything that you can narratively justify your core animal being relevant to you can add free okay. to that role and then you get um you start off with oh god what is it um you start off with free like points i suppose that you can put into other animal features so these are specific things about other animals so um if you wanted the blowhole of a whale, that would be okay. a, a feature that you can then put um, one or two points in to start with. Um, and so you get three points that you can use. You can have three um, animal features at plus one, or you can have one at plus two and one at plus one. Um, so you can use that however you like to kind of build up your animal. But then as you're playing, you get um, every time you roll a nat 20, you get the evolution, which basically can increase one of your um, animal features that you've just used, or it can give you a whole new animal feature at plus one. So then your animal can completely change over the course of even a single session. I've had someone roll um, five nat twenties in their in one session before and completely change their creature. Um, what was it? It was a a jellyfish goose and. Uh, <laughs> So their core animal was the goose, and then they, I think they had plus two jellyfish tentacles, and I can't remember what their other thing was, but they they rolled so many nat 20s on using their tentacles that they ended up being more tentacled than goose in just one session. <laughs> and that's part of the thing that I like about this game. A lot of the times, what's come up recently on this show has been mechanics that intertwine with the world of the game. Ludonarrative design, I think, is the the term mm -hmm. and those natural 20s growing the character is a lot different it's it's sort of like the the experience mechanics of of other games except this one just it encourages you to roll more frequently and have fun with it that's the idea right like i wanted i wanted crits to feel like they were more than just getting like doing really well i wanted it to be something that people would get really excited about and when it's something that actually shaped your character then that is that's a that's a whole thing and i think like probably one of the big influences on this particular aspect was um like uh the um elder scrolls games so okay. if you want to like for instance in oblivion if you want to get better at archery you have to do a, a ton of archery um and that will then you'll get better at doing that so if you in this game, if you want to do a whole bunch of climbing, you will 
probably at some point roll a nat 20 on climbing and be able to get better at climbing. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you talked about criticals there. Specifically, we, we talked about the, the nat 20. So in that regard, something probably happens on the natural one too. <laughs> what what yeah. goes on with that too? Because in most games, getting one of the two extremes either ends with something really good or something not so great. Yeah, yeah. So in in Overgrind, I have if you roll a nat one, then you get a trauma. Um, and I, I've I've gone to and fro about the wording of, of the word trauma because it can be a little bit uh, problematic in some circles. But yeah, yeah, basically you get a trauma that is um, relevant to the thing you've just rolled. So say uh, uh, you're jumping over a um, a big chasm. Um, and you roll in that one, you'd get a trauma in like, I don't know, vertigo or something. Maybe your character falls down the chasm instead of making it across. And then they're forever afraid of heights. So you get this trauma of vertigo and that would give you a minus one penalty to any relevant rolls. So um, anytime you then try and uh, climb a tree or go across a, a high beam or something like that, your character mm -hmm. will incur a minus one penalty on that roll. And to get rid of your traumas, you have to roll against them and get successes. So um, you need three successes to get rid of a trauma, or um, you can roll a single nat 20. And that will also get rid of the trauma and turn it into a, a, a new evolution. That's so fun, actually. I really like that. It encourages you to make sure that you are going against some of your character's weaker aspects. So I really mm -hmm. appreciate that. I think that's a really interesting way to handle it. Yeah, I really wanted to avoid a situation where a player would get a trauma and then be like, I am never going to do that thing again because I will always incur that penalty. So if I made mm -hmm. it so that you can get rid of it by doing it, then that's kind of, um, yeah, that, that's solving that problem. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was this isn't your first tabletop role-playing game. However, you did, that you've made. You did mention, though, that the other one, I think it's called Cybertopia. That's it, yeah. That's, that's the other one. You said that that one was developed over, like, a much longer time, and mm. this game's kind of based on what you learned from there. What did you learn while making Cybertopia that you implemented into Overgrown to kind of build it into this thing that people are really starting to enjoy a lot? Hmm. Um... Probably, like, so a lot of the mechanics are the same. So in Cybertopia, it's still a D20 system and you still have these skills. In Cybertopia, you also have items that contribute. Um, I think the main thing that changed was the um, the character development. So in Cybertopia, you need to roll three nat 20s on a single thing to um, get a new stat or increase a stat. And what came out as I was playing that with all the people that I played that with was that it took a really long time to actually develop. And I think that it was a very different approach. Like that was meant to be a, a kind of a slower paced, longer form game where you play like a, yeah. an entire 10 session campaign or something. And maybe during mm -hmm. that time you get one or two extra skills. Whereas in, in, in Overgrown, I wanted it to be a faster paced thing where your character's just changing constantly. In Overgrown, you start with fewer um, points in your skills. 
but you can grow them pretty quite quickly. Whereas in Cybertopia, I think you start with, what is it? I think you start with like five item points or five skill points. Um, so you start with a lot, but it takes ages to build them up. Whereas in Overgrown, you start with three skill points in total and you can gain them like really fast. It really does lend itself to this game. One of the main things that you talk about in the, the itch page and when you read about it is this idea of really rapid evolution. So mm -hmm. the fact that you had a slower build in Cybertopia and you, you changed it to this really quick changing character, like you mentioned, one, one person evolved five, five times you said in one yeah. session, which is wild to me. It's absolutely incredible. You know, it's something really weird that I found with actually, uh, yeah, with this game, it seems to, the, the, the dice seem to know, they seem to know that you want either a, a, a one or a 20. So I get so many crits that I'm just like, when I've played D&D &D or when I've played other games, I never roll that many. And then players come and play this and they're rolling like five 20s in a, in a like two hour session. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I think because I was, I, like I said, I watched a little bit of Roll for Good stream there. And I think part of it is that you've created a game that really promotes you to roll dice. And a lot of the times in rules light or narrative based systems, people are scared to roll dice because the dice could be your enemy. And I think that the best way to describe overgrown is that if you want your character to get better, you just need to commit to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, and I think actually, because people, the, the dice rolling is so, such a fun part of it. People are mm -hmm. kind of like trying to find places where they can roll dice. They're like, yeah. I, I just want to climb up to the, the roof. Can I roll, roll to do that? I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, you could probably just get up there because you've got squirrel claws, but go for it. Roll, we'll see how well you do. And then they'll <laughs> roll a one. And then I get to do something really fun where they're just like, uh, they, they run into a post or something. And yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I actually kind of wanted to talk about the, the roll for good stream. Can you talk a little bit about how that was set up and what got you on there and how Overgrown sort of made its, uh, not debut, that's not the right term, how it came to be and how playing with those players worked out? Yeah, um, so Roll for Good came out of a Discord that I joined. And actually it was the first uh, TTRPG Discord that I joined or a community that I was ever involved with. Um, uh, run by Prue, um, Prue Pants mm -hmm. online, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a EU UK uh, TTRPG server, um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's everyone on it is based, or most of the people are at least based in the UK or EU, and um, I I was hanging out with them for years before this, like probably a couple of years, um, and. There at some point, what was it? It would have been, yeah, probably last May, I guess. Um, they did their first charity stream for um, raising funds for, I think it was Mind, Mind UK. Um, and again, okay. they raised money for Mind UK um, uh, in the October stream. Um, and yeah, they it's a really cool group and uh, a really good cause. Um, so for Halloween, they put on this, uh, it's not 24 hours, it, it was an all day stream on Halloween. There was they they had four slots open for games, one in the morning and uh, one after lunch and then uh, afternoon evening one, 
and I'm, and I'm assuming that nobody really wanted to play in the morning stream. So when <laughs> there were game submissions going on, I, I, I don't know how many people submitted games for the first session, but yeah, I did. I went in for the morning one and I wanted to have an opportunity to kind of prove that Overgrown can be played in a family-friendly U-rated manner. So I'd go in for the morning stream and be like, yeah, this will be U-rated. You can get your kids to watch. Um, and it will be appropriate for... What time did we play? Was it 8 a.m. or something? <laughs> it was very early. I was still asleep, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess all of America would have been because it was 8 a.m. GMT. So um, Yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I pitched to have Overgrown run on that and um, I, I knew the people that ended up being my players. Um, uh, there was a, I think it was a random like bidding to be a player in each of the games. And I think I was actually the first game to get a full host of players. Um, but then on the day, one of the players um, overslept his alarm didn't go off or something because it was so stupidly early in the morning. Um, and <laughs> so actually we had the, the MC that was introducing my game um, Lorraine, she said, "Well, it's a simple enough system. I don't, I, I don't really know anything about it, but I'll hop in. I'll play this uh, this other character that's been left aside." And she did. She hopped in, and and it went so well and great. And because it's such a simple game, she didn't even like read the rules, and she knew how to play. Like I could just have her be like, "You want to do this? Okay, roll," and that's it. That's amazing, and I really like how that one focused on it also being like this general audience game. I know that, especially when we talk about the Animal Kingdom, it can get pretty brutal. So this is a game that can really... <laughs> well, let's be honest there. I, I've I've seen a couple nature documentaries. <laughs> um, it's You can have that tone. Like This system makes it capable for you to have the tone that you want. Yeah, absolutely. That was right around Halloween time. But something big happened with Overgrown right around the holidays, and that was a really big update to the game that offered a lot to a wider array of people wanting to implement Overgrown's rules in their own worlds and their own systems. So could you talk a little bit about the the update that just released? Sure. So um, I did... Well, it was about a, a three month span. I had a, a full on like crowdfunding campaign going where um, you could see how much was being raised on the page. And um, I've got different tiers that you can like buy in at so you can get like a physical version or like if you pay ridiculous amounts, um, you can like add a character to the game, a book and stuff like that. <laughs> um, uh, just like on a, a Kickstarter page, but because it's itch. Yeah. It's a different setup and you don't have the overhang of Kickstarter being not so great. Um, yeah, exactly. And actually, that's, it's still running. Like, you can still, like, go and contribute and you can get in on the different tiers. I no longer have the the, the kind of sale bar saying how much yeah. is being raised and stuff. But you can still um, pledge, as it were. Um, but you will instantly get a copy of the game um, as it currently exists. Um so what I did at the end of that three months, which came up, it must have just been just before Christmas, I put out a big update with um, kind of a rewrite of the original rule set. So um, one of the main things that I wanted to change was originally I had like made up this kind of world in a, in a quite a vague sense, but it was a post-apocalyptic world where like nature had taken over and uh, so forth. 
Yeah. But I kind of realized <laughs> as I was going through this development process and talking to people about it on Twitter and stuff, I, I realized people wanted to put these sorts of things into their own worlds and their own settings. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to be able to like have hybrids work in a cyberpunk world or their high fantasy world or whatever. So I was like, well, why am I restricting it to my setting? When yeah. like, I, if people want to put this stuff in their own games, they should be able to, and they should be encouraged to. So I kind of stripped that back and put it into like a an appendix kind of bit. Um, so a lot more focus was put back onto this is the way of the mechanics. And if you want to crowbar this into your D&D game or something as a one-shot side game, you can do that now. Um, and this is how to do it. And this is how to make NPCs, or this is how to create a scenario that will work within your world, that sort of thing. And I've still got the, the original setting that I, I came up with, and I've put that into mm-hmm. some sample scenarios that people can look at and be like, okay, so these are some sessions, these are some uh, scenarios that I can run using this system as was intended. But if I want to put it into my game, I can do it in my own way. It's kind of like going into, when you, when you're setting up a game, and you go to another game's rules to kind of figure out how to make that work in your setting. That's basically what you've done is you've had your, a more simplified or expanded version of your game master tips, which I really appreciate in any game really. Ben, one of the things that you actually mentioned there was that your itch funding overgrown. Yeah. We haven't had too many itch fund games on the show. And it doesn't come up that frequently, but can you talk a little bit about the itch funding process and how it differs from Kickstarter? I know that there was some big news with Kickstarter recently Mm. with blockchain stuff and crypto, and a lot of people are trying to move away from that. So for those who don't really know too much about itch funding, could you kind of give us a little bit of detail about that? Sure. Um, Yeah, I, uh, it was never, it wasn't really a conscious, like avoidance of kickstarter when i first decided to use itch instead it was more a case of um i'm I'm afraid of kickstarter because i know like (laughs) i've seen so many like people do kickstarters and they've they've like done amazing um uh, campaigns and stuff and raised uh, ridiculous amounts of money and that's very tempting but i know that there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that and a lot of problems that can be associated with that in terms of um, time scales or deliveries and um, when it comes to actually doing physical products, getting them out to people and all that sort of stuff. I was like, oh, I don't want to be bothered with all of the the additional baggage that comes with that sort of stuff. So um, itch funding basically, and it's it's not, it, it's very different in that it, it's basically, I'm just, it's still just selling my stuff through itch. It's just that I've mm-hmm. like set up the page to look a bit more like a Kickstarter page where you can see tiers that you can buy in it um, and you can see how much has been raised and that sort of thing. But like, there's no, though you can set a target and I had a really high target. I think I had my target set at, like nine grand or something um, that oh. I had never really thought I'm going to raise nine grand from this, particularly through itch. It's a uh, much less um, traveled thing than Kickstarter. Yeah. So, you don't get the same sort of uh, free flow unless you're like really famous or managed to have a really um, successful following online already. But yeah, so you have your target that you can set, but you don't have to hit that. So I only, I think I raised 
uh, something like $1,142 or something um, over the course of the three months. And I get all that money. And each time someone pledges, I get that money instantly. So I can immediately start using that to develop the game further, to build it up, um, to hire my friends to work for me uh, on it. And <laughs> yeah, I don't have to wait three months or six months or a year or whatever for the campaign to finish and be successful to actually start making use of the funds that are raised. And if you pledge, you're going to get what you've asked for, regardless of whether I do or don't make the, the final target, you'll get what you've uh, what you've been promised. Yeah, I I hope to see more itch funding happen in the future, especially with people starting to learn a little bit more about the complexities of Kickstarter. So I, I think we'll start to see more independent creators start to lean towards itch funding. Yeah, I hope it takes off. I think it's a really, it's got a lot of potential. Like it's not, it's got its drawbacks in, especially in terms oh, yeah. of um, audience. Like the, the Kickstarter audience is obviously like dramatically more engaged and you get people like browsing Kickstarter to find um, the right stuff to fund. And there's a lot of good contact options and stuff in Kickstarter that you don't really have in itch. So yeah, there are some things that itch could certainly do to make it easier and more, um, more targeted um, process for for people, but I suppose even for itch themselves, it's a it's a fairly new um, uh, way to be using their platform. So hopefully the developers of itch will take notice and start kind of doing a more focus on that, and especially with the whole Kickstarter debacle that's been going on lately. Hopefully that all kind of light a fire under them. And they'll be like, okay, maybe we can sweep in and take some of this glory. <laughs> Here's here's hoping really, because I think it's a great system, especially for creators. In a lot of ways, like you said, the immediate access to your funds is a really good way to go about it. If you ask me, especially the um, the fact that people can get a copy of the game as is, without having mm -hmm. to wait. I kickstarted a game, probably two years ago, and I'm still getting updates for it. I don't know if it's shipped yet. I don't know if it's mm. finished yet. So it's... Uh, we've all got one of those, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I know it will come out because it's from a fairly reputable... I'm not going to talk about this. You know what? Because I'll eventually <laughs> get the detail. And once I get the detail, people will know. And I could ruin my chances with that person. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, fingers crossed for you. And I, I think that's one of the things like, yeah, you have to wait. And if you've pledged, you could be waiting a, a year before you're getting the thing you're after. And yeah. yeah. I, uh, equally, I suppose with itch funding, you could be doing the same thing. But I, I think it's a bit more of an immediate um, kind of process. Yeah, it definitely is. So... You had mentioned that you got into TTRPG design as a hobby and that this is something that you got the chance to do because your job permits it. It's something that interests you. Where do you think that interest sparked in? Uh, <laughs> um, so you know what it is, actually? It, it, it kind of directly came from my job because I had been playing D&D &D, um, and some other systems um, with some friends outside of work. And then uh, I got chatting with some people at work who were interested in this sort of stuff. But 
they were really put off. I think they tried playing some D and D, but it was too complex for them, and so they were just instantly turned off. Especially seeing like the monster manuals and the, the DMGs, and being like, "Ah, oh, these books are so fat. I don't want to have to read this stuff to be able to understand yeah. and play this game." Um, so I was like, "Okay, well, I'll I'll just make something really simple that we can just play together," um, and I did, and and it was literally just before the the, the first pandemic. I think it, maybe it was like <laughs> October 2019 or something. Um, and uh, I I just made Cybertopia and played it with a few people in the office and they really liked it and they thought, yeah, th- this is great. We can actually understand. We can play this. Like they didn't need to read anything beforehand. I just sat them down and was like, this is how it works. Let's play. And in a three hour session, they went from knowing nothing at all about the system to just being able to understand it like through and through and be able to explain it to other people. And then pandemic hit, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, so I, I think I got two sessions in in person in the office after work a couple of times, um, and uh, after that we um, like we transitioned to Zoom and stuff, and we people were just looking for stuff to do in the evenings, and so I was just doing weekly games with my workmates, and I must have gone through a couple of dozen um, different workmates and different combinations of people at work who. Um, some people I'd never even met in person by this point um, and just playing this game and people were really um, just grabbing it and going with it and I thought well actually maybe this can be more than just something for workmates maybe I can write this up and uh, sell it so I put it up on uh, drive through RPG and I got some sales and started playing with some other people and got involved with the EU UK TTRPG community and gradually spread and I don't know, it just builds and builds and you meet new people and get into different groups and suddenly this thing that I'd never thought about before in my life, really. Like, when I was a kid and when I was in uni and that, I really wanted to be into video game design and I'd never even considered, like, Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop of any kind and now it is, like, my main thing. Like, I would not try and make a computer game now if I wanted to make a game. I'd make a tabletop game. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, I actually closed the page for people who listened to the last interview. This happened again. I have a new keyboard and there is a button that I never know what it is. And I'll every now and then accidentally tap it. What it does is it closes the page that I'm on. And I need to figure out how to disable it. It's a, (laughs) if I was, oh, I don't know, 16, it would be the best button in the world. But... (laughs) Um, <laughs> not so much when I'm trying to record a podcast. <laughs> so anyways, what I was saying, Ben, was that when I first started scheduled for launch, something that came up very frequently with tabletop role-playing game designers was that tabletop role-playing games were perfect for the pandemic because they were filling that void of socialization, like an entertainment and mm-hmm. as much as it's way better to do them in person, being able to do them online just seemed, it was something to do. And it involved a little bit more than just hopping on a game with friends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I've, I've made so many more friends doing this as well. Like, yep. I don't, I would never have made these friends if it hadn't been for being online, you know, like, you can only your your pool of players and your pool of people that you can interact with uh, in person meetups and stuff is is very limited and you have to go through that whole thing of like the 
the the the anxiousness of meeting new people in person and yep. like going to a meetup group or whatever. And I think that was one of the reasons it took me so long to even get into my first game of D and D, um, because. It was scary going up to a shop and be like, yeah. hey, can I play or something? And But because I've met these groups online and like got into these communities, there's there's people who I can very gradually get to know like through Twitter and stuff. And, and then it'd be like, hey, do you want to play? I kind of know you. And then we play. <laughs> and like the, the, there's a group that I've been playing, Beam Saber, um, which is a um, okay. Blades in the Dark um uh, a version of Blaze in the Dark system. It's I guess. very fun. Uh, <laughs> Beam Saber is fantastic. I love it. Um, so we that that group I've been playing with for maybe a year now. Um, we have moved on to I think we're playing uh, was it Armorster at the moment, which is a PBTA um, okay a kind of mech game, um, and also fantastic. But these are like some of my best friends now. We play uh, when we can get the scheduling right <laughs> weekly and like these these are people that i'm like really fast friends with and it's it's great yeah that nervousness is something that i relate to a lot i've told this story before on the podcast but the reason i got into this hobby and tabletop role-playing games hobby was it was i had just graduated college and i had a mental breakdown because I had no friends and I, it ended up with me walking into a tabletop game cafe and just being like, is there anything? And I got just thrown into a group and I would became very close with some of them. So I totally understand the nervousness and mm. that stuff. It, it makes perfect sense. And you know, like it doesn't always work out. There's been a couple of groups no. that I've ended up like having to walk out of after a couple of sessions or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I went through a, quite a long period of being like the forever DM. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, after a while, just being like, like I just want to play. So like, went through <laughs> a couple of groups and uh, find eventually found these people I can play with. And yeah, it, it is one of those things. It doesn't always work out. And if your first few experiences aren't great, then that can really put a dampener on the whole thing. Um, yeah but having an online community is just so it opens so many doors that in person doesn't yeah so ben we've actually been going for a little over 40 minutes now so we're, we actually got to start to kind of begin to wrap things up but i got two more questions for you one is my favorite question i ask it on every episode of this show and this goes out to all those people who come to listen to make their own game so what advice can you give to somebody who wants to make their own tabletop game, but they have no experience and they don't really know where to start? Hmm. Um, oh my God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just, 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 just start, just write something down, like anything, like whether you want to start with the world you're thinking about, or if you want to start with the mechanics or whatever and and don't be afraid to borrow from other systems it's fine if your if your stuff looks a bit like D or if it looks a bit like um monster of the week or whatever it doesn't matter like just make whatever you want to make and if you have to shoehorn in some stuff or borrow stuff just do it that's really good advice ben before we wrap up where can people find out more about you and overgrown 
Um, so the place I'm most active is Twitter, um, just at Ben Newborn, just my name um, on, on Twitter. Um, and, and my itch page, um, I, I can't remember what the full URL is, but uh, I'm sure you can link it. <laughs> yeah, it's it'll be in the description down below. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's just itch.io, um, my name, Ben Newborn. Um, ben Newborn.itch.io. <laughs> There yeah, we that's go. The I got it. I got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably know this stuff, hey? Uh, so <laughs> you, you'll see all my games on there. Um, uh, yeah, and you can also... Um, I One of my favorite things I've been doing with Overgrown since the start, and I think the thing that really catches people's eyes is the... Um, I, I like to make images of um, characters yeah. for the game. Um, so <laughs> you'll see all of my like really poorly photoshopped animal hybrids um that i'm sure like if i ever get enough money from the from the crowdfunding i can actually hire an artist to do proper stuff of and actually you'll see on the the front page the front cover is fantastic um i i um, got a a friend of a friend artist to make that um and i'd love to be able to hire her to do like full um illustrations for the for the game book but yeah i love doing these um these character mashups of I don't know. I, uh, there's like a, a rhino chihuahua octopus one um and uh, like the the very first one i ever did was a um e an eagle for an elephant with eagle wings and it's just ridiculous stuff but it looks some of them work so well um and you can you can there's a on my itch page you can go and buy the whole catalog i think for, i've got it listed for like a it's dollar it's a dollar um, yeah yeah and there's like 50 or 60 like of these images and and they're all like royalty free. I say you can use them in your own games if you want to. Sorry about that. This time Ben's page closed down. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned that they're like a dollar for yeah, these so, wild so animal like images. Fifty to sixty like images that I've I've created using um uh and they're all royalty free from either Unsplash or Pexels. Great, great sites if you want some random royalty free um pictures. Um and they're all mashups from those, and uh, I'll be adding more as time goes on. Um, uh, I, I like to create images for every PC or NPC that I make, um, <laughs> and um, I, I've put it out there to anyone that is playing the game or downloads the game. Like, if you if you're playing, give me a shout, and I will make up your your PCs for you, or, or your NPCs, or anything. And, and actually, just if you if anyone wants to play the game, just let me know because I'd love to chat to you about it. So you heard that audience, go check out Ben as always, that stuff's going to be linked in the description down below. Ben, it's been phenomenal having you on here and getting to talk about Overgrown. I wasn't too sure what was going to happen with this one because usually I'm able to find a little bit more detail about the game online somewhere, but I had like no time to figure things out <laughs> quite the same. <laughs> and I, I really like Overgrown. I think it's, it's so unique and interesting and out of everything that I've seen online, this is definitely one of the, the stranger, but definitely something I want to sink my teeth into a little bit and get to experience. Cause I think this game can be really strong as like a long form game or even just as a one-off or a two-off. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it's intended for. It, it's, it's supposed to be flexible and, and, and just usable so yeah go crazy and if and when you do play it please let me know i want to know how it goes and 
I wanted to hear about what your what your players do and what the what the <laughs> wild like animals are up to and stuff. So yeah. All right. Well, listeners, you heard it here first. Go check out Overgrown and take a look at some of Ben's work. It's great. It's a lot of fun. And the community surrounding it is amazing. The people online are really sweet about it. So I just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you once again, Ben, for coming on. Audience, thank you for listening. Ben and Overgrown, they're already launched. So go pick it up and see what what wild stories you have to tell with this system because it's a lot of fun take care of yourselves have a good night bye thank you so much to ben for coming onto the show this week overgrown is one of the most striking and intriguing games i've seen in a long time so you should really go give it a look it's really cool the game is itch funding, which means that you'll be receiving updates as it's written. All right, on to housekeeping. If you missed last week's episode, then you haven't heard that Scheduled for Launch now has a Discord page for you to talk about and get a first-hand look at smaller projects. The shared space is intended for fans to playtest and experience new stuff and maybe even start working on something yourself. Since it's still so new, there really aren't many people participating yet, but the goal is to get it to grow as quickly as possible so that you can maybe find an artist or somebody to review your game, or a bunch of people to playtest it. Speaking of growth, we recently passed the 750 listener mark, which has all been made possible by every one of you. While I don't think we're going to cross that 1,000 listener mark by the one-year anniversary, that's February 9th, by the way, I can only say that I am ecstatic about what we've achieved. So if you like the show and you want to hear more, please share it somewhere online. It really does pump up those numbers and gets more people talking. With that in mind, though, please join the Discord and share the show somewhere online. Let me know what you think. Take care of yourselves, have a good night, and I'll see you on the next one.